There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And again by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scoops. Corey Perry. Well, you're able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Around in front. Score! Tamu Solani with the steal. Three of the fans score one. Score! I was I was waiting, waiting to see if you're gonna say something. <laughs> it's like I'm waiting yeah. here. I never know. So I'm just. I know. I, I know. I'm sorry. Waited for the transition. Uh, it didn't happen. But um, <laughs> yeah, we're back. Almost a month later. Um, we expected more to happen, or at least I expected more to happen after a crazy couple first days of free agency for the Ducks. And I didn't expect like you know a ton more. But our last show we talked about. DeBrinket potentially coming to Anaheim, Gibson getting traded out of Anaheim, Henry getting traded out of Anaheim, signing more free agents, and um, nothing happened. And and dude, we talked about Terry and Zegers and their contracts and what that would look like, and they're still unsigned. And I guess what the only thing we've seen is um, Lucas Dostal got his deal. Uh, mm-hmm. Noah Warren, Leo Carlson signed entry-level contracts. Who was the other, the, the other RFA? Because Rysdale's still unsigned. There was a fifth one. Why can't I remember who it is? Uh, is it Gruel? Yeah, yeah, Bogru. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Bogru and Lucas Dossel got their deals. I figured that was going to happen at some point. Dossel's is kind of a, a little bit of a bridge in a sense, a two-year deal. Um, yeah. First year is two-way, second year is one-way. So, again, it doesn't really mean much, just how he gets paid, but you get the thought process there that if they do have to send him back down, it's not hurting them against the cap this year, which again, they have enough cap to make uh, to make it work, but um, a good structure for him, and then we're still waiting on Drysdale and Terry and Zegers, which we're going to get into on this show. Um, and then from there, man, I think we're just going to shoot the shit with the NHL, see what's going on. Some uh, some decent signings, Tarasenko to uh, Ottawa the other day, one year, five million. Mm-hmm. And uh, a few other uh, decent acquisitions. Obviously, Debrinket. We'll talk about that. That ended up. Uh, he ended up going to Detroit. And um, man, it's just been it's been slow days though, which I guess you can expect heading in from you know last couple weeks of July heading into August. Yeah, no, it's it's officially the dead time. There's a lot, not a lot going on right now. I mean, you know, 
BR is tweeting out what do we think of AI generated NHL logos <laughs> and people are ranking the most overrated players in the NHL and it's just all cr- I mean shit I did a roster game for no real reason like we're just goofing off man it's yeah it's kind of we're all supposed to go see our families but whatever it's overrated yeah and you me and Brad have just been uh, spending our mornings doing puck doku for the last month yeah yeah didn't realize so just before I guess is it weird to you that there's not a Finnish player on the Ducks right now? Because I was thinking about that a couple, I think, I don't know, like a week ago or something like yeah. that. But there was one of, like, Finnish, like, one of the sections was Finnish players. And I was thinking about it. There hasn't been a Finnish player on the Ducks in a while. And like, Is it Vatnin who did the last one? I think Vatnin was, or maybe Hockenpah. Mm, yeah, Hockenpah. Might have been the last yeah. one. But that was, like... Good couple years like a ago, bummer. Yeah. like there were Finns on this team for a long time. Well, it was like um, one of the categories a while, uh, a couple days ago, was uh, Swedish players, and the Hurricanes were there, and they have every Finn possible right now. <laughs> like they've yeah. got four or five on the team. And I was trying to think of Swedish players to play for the Hurricanes. I couldn't think of it. It's been a while. Yeah, I mean, again, like because uh, Teravainen is Finnish, right? Yeah, Teravainen, Aho. Um, now I can't remember the rest of the guys, of course, but Kakanyemi uh, probably. Yeah, Kakanyemi. Yeah, so yeah. there's a there's a good bunch yeah. of them. But we're we're gonna do today's on the show some riveting content there just to uh, <laughs> to to uh, extend the show a little bit. It's a lot of fun. We've been having fun with the last couple of days, and I think it's one of those um, one of those things that's kind of blown up on Hockey X now, not Hockey. Yeah, Twitter, Hockey X. Hockey X. <laughs> It sounds so stupid when you say hockey act. Yeah, you got a bit of hockey act. Sounds like a, a fake league in a movie. Yeah, they uh, they got me with that because uh, I was looking through like apps and what what uh, apps were running in the background on my phone. Just conveniently, when they switched it over, like right when they switched it over, because I was looking like at the time it was like, the last hour of activity because my phone was like on fire, drain, didn't drain a lot of battery. So I was going and looking at it, and it was like, okay, using Twitter, 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 and then X is running in the background all of a sudden. So I, yeah. I was like, what the hell is this? I deleted it, and then I wasn't getting, or I was talking to you at the time, wasn't getting any notifications or messages, so I tried to go back and, and load Twitter, and it didn't exist. <laughs> I realized that it, they switched it over. They, they switched it over. Uh, and the, the, the sad thing is, like, I had... I had, like, passively heard about it, um, I don't know, like, on, mm-hmm. on TikTok or something, uh, how um, uh, Elon Musk was trying to change it to, to X, but Zuckerberg, like, owned the rights to the letter X or something and naming rights or something through Meta, I don't know. So that's how I'd heard about it, but I never looked into it. I didn't, I didn't, I just figured it wasn't going to happen or it was just another stupid thing between Zuckerberg and, and Musk to build up this eventual UFC fight that they're supposed to have. Yeah, that's it. So that's right. I, I didn't think about it, and then uh, completely slipped my mind, and I, I looked like a, a boomer when, uh, <laughs> when all that I love happened. it, man. So good. Great. Is there is there, like, a less potential exciting fight than those two? Because, like, I, like, I'm trying to think of, like, two people I would be, that, like, in theory, you would be more excited to see fight. But in actuality, you know it would be absolutely nothing. Yeah. I don't know. Apparently, I, like, everything I've seen on these guys is they're, like, randomly... And it's, like, hyped because up. They're... It's hyped up. They're not even randomly good fighters. They're just, like, not overweight 
guys <laughs> you know what i mean who have a well, lot of money so they have personal trainers and they work out and whatever but yeah when it actually time yeah when it actually happens like, 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 like kickboxing or some bullshit but it's like yeah it's like anybody he just does it because watched um if you watch regular boxing, I didn't, but if you watch regular boxing and then you went and watched like the YouTube boxing or whatever, right? Like that's got to be the same yeah. argument there, right? Is like, oh yeah, in theory, to see these two guys that everybody knows fight would be great until you actually have to watch the fight and it sucks. <laughs> you know, you know who wins that fight? Who? Is Tom from MySpace. Yeah. Who is just chilling. He's just just sold MySpace, made a ton of fucking money, and has completely fallen off the face of the earth. Like, one of the very few people to be rich correctly. Just disappear. Yep. Just everybody else, when they get rich, they ruin it by opening their mouths and trying to be, like, famous or whatever. This dude just disappeared. What if it just turned into, like, a Royal Rumble WWE match and, like, Bill Gates comes out and... <laughs> <laughs> just all, all the tech guys... So kind of Steve Jobs just appears. He, he's been hiding, waiting for this fight this entire yes. time. Oh my god, that's right. You get Steve <laughs> it's like Ballmer. The, uh, the Undertaker returns. Steve, <laughs> Steve exactly. Jobs. Oh my god. He never really died. He just he was waiting for this moment to come back. So. Oh my god, dude, that would be so. See, this is why we need to bring back Celebrity Deathmatch. That show rocked. That's the only place where a Zuckerberg Musk fight would be interesting. Yeah. That's the thing. Is like I I would watch it out of curiosity, but I wouldn't pay pay per view money for it. And you know that's exactly no. what's going to happen with it, right? So no, you would watch it the next day on YouTube, yeah. just to see what happens. Yeah. So, anyways, it's stupid, but whatever. They're, Rich people are weird. They're both aliens, anyway. So yeah, no shit. <laughs> all right. Not a human emotion between the two of them. No, not at all. All right, you want to get into this uh, this puck Doku? All right, let's do it. You want to bring it up? Or you want me to bring it up? Uh, I, I've, or, I've, I've got it up, and then you might as well bring it up too. And I've got it on the screen, and it hopefully okay. doesn't lag the entire show. But we'll see. Um, okay. Let me know when you got it up. We'll go. I got it. I got it. Let's right. go. Where are we starting? I think. Well, okay. I mean, look. Well, this we're doing this things. together because I've got it up. up, up I want to start. Here. I want to start in the top left. Okay. So wait, let's do it this way. Across the top today. Yeah. So everybody knows is Vegas Golden Knights, the New York Rangers, forty goals single season. Uh, down the left is Penguins, uh, Vancouver Canucks, and forty assists in a single season. Mm-hmm. So I think the first place to start would be who is the most random player to go for forty and forty in a single season? Random player. Like who? Do you think there'd be like a lot of Tage Thompson guesses? Because it just happened, yes. probably. Yes. Yes, I do. Let's see who. Like the obvious ones come to mind of, of guys who hit forty and then have like a hundred points, right? Like that's the problem. Right. You got to think of like a guy who. Like Perry hit like ninety points, I think, in his heart season. Yeah, but he had fifty goals, so I'd be worried right. that he was like. 39 assists or something. I don't think it was that bad, though. But he only had 50 goals. He didn't have 51. Yeah. So he hit 90 points. But I don't want to look it up. So, okay. We could go with Do that. you have one you want to jump to? I'm trying to think of, of, like, obscure guys. Like, there's just been a few random guys who've hit, like, close to 40 or 39. 
recently. And I, I just they're, they're mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember who they are of those guys. Like I, like I know Debrinket's probably on there with a forty forty, but is he? Uh, me? I don't know, man. Maybe not. He had a forty and a forty. He didn't hit fifty, so he was under. He only had forty. I think he had like an eighty or ninety point season, so that would put him close. Mm-hmm. But like, who? Yeah. I don't I mean, know. I'm I'm leaning Perry. I'm leaning Perry too because I feel like it would be a, a low guess. That's what I think. All right, I'm good to go in Perry. All right, let's see. Let's go for it. Oh yes, point three percent. Yes. We're on the board. All right, baby. We're on the board. All right, where do you want to go next? Okay, let's finish. Let's finish out the forty plus goals. So we'll do 40, okay. 40 goals, forty plus goals for the Penguins and forty plus goals for the Canucks. Um, we have some obvious ones. Obviously, Pedersen's hit it. JT Miller's hit it. Pavel Bure's hit it. Uh, but I'm trying, uh-huh. I'm trying to think. Like one of the Sedins has hit it. Daniels definitely hit it. Henrik never hit. There's yeah. no way Henrik hit. So those are some of the obvious ones. Let's see. Who else would have hit 40 goals? Kessler would have never have hit it. He would no. Maybe 30. Kessler, no. Um, Did Burroughs hit 40? No. no. But he played with the Sedins. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. It, yeah, but he if he ever cracked 60 points, I'd be amazed. Mm-hmm. I just think if he ever had, like, one just amazing season where he did it. No. Are we sure Kessler never hit 40 in the year he won Selkie? I can't. I, I, in that era, I just... There's no fucking there's way. No way. There's no way. There's no way. You, you know, um, how many goals did uh, Kuzmenko get this year? He got 40, right? I think he did a... I think he would have been a really good guess to 40-40. I'm pretty sure he had a 40-40 this year. <laughs> mm. Even though Perry, Perry got us at point three, which is as good as you can You get. think Kuzmenko hit 40 goals this year? I've... I've he had like seventy or eighty points, and I can't I can't remember if he had thirty nine goals or just above forty. He's right around that. So it's, a, it's I mean, look, if you stretch. want to take the guess, I'm down for it. I say go for it. But that's a stretch. I don't know. All right, let's sit on that let's one. Say, yeah. Let's move to a different. Let's Penguins, move to the Penguins. Penguins. Well, so you've Sid, got Malkin, Crosby, Gensel. Lemieux. Gensel's hit it, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Kunitz never hit forty, right? I can't I can't see Kunitz hitting. Russ did Russ hit forty? No way. Yeah, I don't know. He had a, if he hit 30, he couple, that would be good. Like, if he hit 30, 35. Before, before. Oates never played for them. No. But they had Ron Francis. Did Ron Francis hit 40 goals probably hit 40, too. Oh, yeah, multiple mm-hmm. times. Like, of the five, Gensel's probably the least guessed. Mm. Yeah, that's probably true. But uh, it's 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 likely gonna be up there around like probably fifteen twenty percent, at least. Yeah, I mean I'm good with it. If you want to yeah, go against them, against them. How do you spell this? G U E N T Z E L. J Gensel. Nine percent. All right, we're good. We're good. We'll take it. So there's four other uh, pretty solid names in front of it. All right. Um, let's, let's finish off the the, the forty plus. We'll go forty plus assists now. So. Okay. We got Rangers with or with forty plus assists, which gives us a little bit of a deeper cut, and then Vegas Golden Knights with forty plus assists. You know who we should do for the forty plus assists for the Rangers is Leach. 
Leech? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Brian Leech. 17%. It's not too bad. That's higher than I would have expected. Yeah. Some people are thinking way back. I mean, you would have thought, like, Mess would have been there. Panarin. Mm-hmm. Zabanajad, probably. Zabanajad, yeah. Did, Did St. Louis hit 40 when he was there? I don't know. He had a couple of good years. Gabrick, probably not on the assist side of things when he was there. Mm-mm. And then 40-plus assists for... for... Vegas. Did Carlson have 40 in the 40-goal season or no? Marshall Show might have had 40 assists. Man, uh, Marshall Show might have. Like, I don't know if Eichel did. I feel like this list is like there's like maybe three or four guys. Look at it, maybe did, did Shea Theodore have don't. 40 assists? You think? Did he I'll have... bet you Shea Theodore is it. I I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I feel like that's a that's a tight one. Because then you would you'd be thinking he had a, a you know f- close to a 50 point season, if not over. Did he do that? I think he did, didn't he? Like, because he was getting serious Norris votes one year. Mm-hmm. Or at least Norris consideration. No other defenseman for Vegas would have done it, though, because I don't think Petrangelo did it. So if there was anybody who did it, it would have been Theodore. And then for Fords, it's Stone, maybe Eichel, maybe Marsha Show, Carlson. That's it, right? Maybe. No, like Riley Smith, maybe? So, But I don't think Riley Smith is. I'm, I'm saying points, either. either Marsha show or Theodore? I'd say Marsha show. That feels say more show likely. Is to probably me. safer. Jonathan Marsha show. 35%. Okay. I'm going to do a quick check here. on Shay Theodore now. Wait a minute. No, no, no. Here, let me You're put it in on my. Put mine. it in yours, yeah. Let's see if we escape one there. Theodore. Incorrect. Ooh. How close was he? Done. I wonder how I close he was. Let me look it up real quick. He had to be in the 30s. Hockey reference. Theo. Okay, Theo. Oh, wow. Yeah. 38. <laughs> yeah. 21, the 21-22 the season, he has 52 points, 38 assists. We lucked out there for sure. Uh-oh. Uh, so, Chandler okay. Stevenson would have been a good one. Here's a fun thing. Hockey Reference also has hockey now for their Immaculate Grid. So we can do both. Nice. So Stone would have been a good answer. Petrangelo did hit 40 assists this year. Chandler he Stevenson cowered. did twice. Um, I wasn't even thinking of Chandler Stevenson, to be honest with you. Mark Stone did. Uh, David Perron. Didn't think about that one. Marshall Show did once. Riley Smith got 38. None for Carlson, though. So it was Marshall Show, Stone, Petrangelo, Caron, pretty much. That was it. No Eichel either, so. We, we yeah, well, Eichel only had one more point than Zegris did this year. Yeah, and he's, you know. Which is insane. About a 30-30 type season, 35-35 season. Yeah. All right, what's next, champ? All right, well, we're, we're into the, the two team ones now. So let's go. Let's start with the Vegas ones, because there's less okay. less players to go through here. So we got. You know where I want to go for Vegas Pittsburgh. Pure. Wait, no. Who? It's my guy, Riva. Oh, Reeves. I forgot. Yeah. He, I forgot he played for Pittsburgh. Everybody forgets about him because they hate him, but I love him. He's perfect. Ryan Reeves, seven percent. It sounds right. Seven percent of people remembered him. 
Um, okay, and then... Vancouver, and... Who did they get from... Vancouver in the draft. draft? I'm trying to remember. I think theirs was one of the no-name guys. That's not where they got Derek Anglin from, is it? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. No, they would have gotten him from Calgary, probably? Yeah, I think so. Oof. Wasn't any of the goalies. No. I think like early, early days, Golden Knights. Like, Stoner never played. I, I, did you know Stoner I, I, never played a game for Vegas? Stoner never did? Never played a single game for Vegas. He got taken in the expansion draft and his career was over. I thought, yeah, it was, was he not injury prone or something at the time, too? I don't, I don't remember. I thought he played that first season for them, but he never played a single game. I'm, I've, I, re- like, I think the guy who came from Vancouver must have been like a complete no name or something, man. Like, there was a there was a fair yeah. a fair amount of those guys. So we're having to try and think of like guys who who are playing for them now. This is riveting. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, when we get the we get the hard ones, it's great, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. So wait a minute. Here we go. Here we go. Got. Trying to write it down here. There, there can't be many. I'm. Ta- I, it's got. I'm, you know what? I'm gonna cheat and I'm gonna put Derek England in here. You're gonna put Derek England? Incorrect. So, that's fine. We were right that it wasn't him. Okay. Well, there's there's our there's our freebie. Like the, yeah. the thing is, like the the team, mulligan. the team hasn't changed too much. So, like whoever it is, it's got to be some. Well, it's, what's crazy is they only had a couple Leonard of Thompson. guys from the original team on this year's team. Yeah, so, like, I'm thinking of the goalies: Leonard Thompson, Fleury, some of those guys. Trying to see if he had like kind of like a random goalie. We talked about Carlson, Marshall, Schultz, Stone, Pacioretty, Eichel. None of those guys play. Um, Nick Wad wasn't. Uh, who was on that fucking defense that first year? It was Martinez, England. Martinez, Kings. A lot of them are drafted. We even have to come back to this one, I think. All right, let's come back to Nate it. Nate Schmidt was uh, Winnipeg, right? Or did he play in... Can't look him up, but I, I don't know if he. No, Colin Miller. Colin Miller did. played for all three of them. He played for Vancouver. Yeah. Colin Miller. Okay. Colin Miller. I'm almost 100 percent positive. We're going Colin Miller. Incorrect. Oh no. So then you're right. It was Nate Schmidt. Is it Nate Schmidt. It is Nate Schmidt. Yeah. What? We'll we'll put we'll. No. We'll get, we'll get Schmidt in there. I got Schmidt and Miller. Forty-two percent, man. There can't be many other guys. No way. They can't. All right. So we have one category we're not going to get here. We know okay. we know a forty goal guy for for Vancouver, so we'll save that. Okay. One. We know we're going to get one there. Just what one we're more confident here with Pittsburgh and the Rangers and Vancouver and the Rangers. I'll take Haglin for Pittsburgh Rangers. Yeah, that's a good one. Carl Haglin, thirteen percent. Nice. See if we can think of a Vancouver Rangers player. Did Did Emerson Edom ever play for the Rangers? Michael Grabner, right? 
He played. Yeah, yeah. That's gotta be one. You know what? You is Michael Grabner a forty goal scorer for the, the Vancouver Canucks? <laughs> no, absolutely fucking not. <laughs> nice, Grabner was 04 percent. Incorrect as a forty goal scorer. Yeah. So no. All right. Well, we were Nate Schmidt away from uh, God, son of a Colin Miller away from a an immaculate grid. Or a nine out of nine. Corey Perry was our best answer, point three percent. Would you look at that? Yeah, that's right. Corey Perry, then Michael Grabner, then Ryan Reeves, Jake Gensel. Somehow, Jake Gensel was only nine percent. Carl Hagelin was a thirteen percent. So a lot of people remember remember Carl Hagelin uh, in his days with the Rangers and the Penguins. A lot of Nate Schmidt fans, a lot of Brian Leach fans, but not bad, not bad. Take it. What was our final score? Uh, our final score. Well, like what? Two seventy. I don't know why I can't see it now. Oh, there, open summary. 223. Oh, sweet. We rock. So not bad. Pretty good. Did good. All right. All right. Let's, let's, we'll take it. Yeah. 20 minutes down. Uh, <laughs> Killing time. Oh, here we go. So, according to Twitter, we got a couple from the Rebuilding blog. First time caller, long time listener. I have more of a comment than a question. Sometimes I think about Stanislav Chistov. <laughs> Sometimes we all think of Stanislav Chistov. It's okay. The what if? Oh, you know what I think about a lot? Uh, what do you think about a lot, Edward? Sidney Crosby in a Dutch jersey instead of Bobby Ryan. You know what hurts more than Sidney Crosby what? in a Dutch jersey? Anze Kopitar. Yeah. I mean, then, yeah, you can open the rabbit hole That's the there. one for me. And, oh, and that's what we do is look at all these fucking J-Fresh redrafts. Yeah. You sure you want to... What do you expect from Noah Warren this season, and what is this prospect upside? Some question, same question, but also with Jack Perbix, please, from Brian Lind. Jack Perbix, my God. Um, well, Noah Warren, um, I expect him. He got traded. I think it was Victoriaville. He got traded to. So let me uh, double check that. No, Noah Warren's still in. No, no, still with Canada. No, no, no. He got traded in the summer. I swear to God, he got traded. And why would Gatineau tweet out that they're excited about him going to junior camp? Uh, let me check. Yeah, he's uh, listed for Victoriaville next year. Maybe because he was a player of theirs. No, right? fair enough, I guess. So he got traded in, in, at the, the QMJ, QMJHL draft for draft picks. Uh, so he's going to play for Victoriaville, and I imagine that's where he, he goes back this year. So I can't um, I can't see him making the team with all the players who are mm-hmm. going to be in San Diego when you look at Minchikov will be there Zellweger will be there uh, Leno will be back in juniors but uh, a lot of options that the Ducks can go with in front of him Hellison obviously Lacombe will all be there so he'll be back in, in junior which I think is the best spot for him he needs some more refining for the rest of his game defensively obviously you know the size is there and he, defensively he is good and he's a good skater but just he just needs a bit more time he's a project it's going to take longer and um, Jack Perbix, um, I don't. I, I I think he's past his signing period anyway at this point with the Ducks. I'm sure they still own his rights, but he just for me is not a guy that uh, that I think is going to make it to the NHL level. You know, when even when we were covering their team, um, it was more about Blake McLaughlin and Jackson Lacombe than anything. Mm-hmm. Jack Perbix was kind of the fourth line energy for it and he's left you you have Minnesota now and he's gone to uh, Western Michigan uh, 
where I think he played a bit more of an elevated role this year. The point total showed that, but even then, 19 points in 39 games, six goals. He's, what, 20, 22 will be 23 by the start of the season. Maybe the Ducks sign him as an AHL forward. At that point, I, I can't see anything beyond that um, for the rest of his career, you know, whether it be... Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what it is. I mean, he's certainly someone who could bounce around the AHL and earn himself a call-up with injuries and, you know, hard work as, like, a fourth liner, but I um, I don't know that there's too much more upside than no. that. No. Friend of I mean, the show, he's... we had a great interview with him and Blake McLaughlin back when they got drafted, and that was that one, that one was a lot of fun. So if you want to let, know more, a bit more about them, you can dive back into that interview. But beyond that, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't foresee. Yeah, I mean, if he's Sam Carrick, he's going to be an incredibly happy guy. Yeah, yeah. If he, if he, which uh, and, great for him. You know, a, a guy who can play a handful of NHL games and bounce back and between through between the levels between AHL and NHL, that would be excellent for him. If that was something that that ends up coming out of it, but. Uh, Mm-hmm. At this point, there's nothing to indicate that's the case, and you have to see his transition to the pro level and how that goes before anything. Some, sometimes these guys surprise you. They come out of college and things just click at that level, and they become that tweener type player. Um, but until we see that, until we see him, whether it's with San Diego or another team, I, I can't imagine um, any NHL games are in his future anytime soon. Yeah, no, which is unfortunate, but you know yeah. it's small league, hard league to get into. Yeah. Maybe he can go play. I, I, I don't mean this, you know, uh, condescendingly, but like maybe he can go play across seas and or overseas or whatever, and and you know make a nice career for himself. There's there's a lot more hockey leagues than just the uh, the four in the North America. So yeah, did a lot more than I mean four? the majority of AHL people, right? and so. ECHL. Three is the ECHL? No, there's only it's affiliated. Well, there's the USHL, right? Yeah, but that's junior. Okay, that's right. So it's just three. Whatever. And the, just the three. ECHL is like loosely associated, I feel like. You know what I mean? Like, that's where like the, the Solar Bears are, right? Yeah, Orlando? yeah. Some teams have affiliates, and I feel like some teams yeah, don't. Yeah, we do. The Ducks have an yeah. affiliate. Or for, like there are some seasons where some teams don't have ECHL affiliates. Yeah. And like rarely are transactions made between the, the, the two teams. Just like mm-hmm. it was on an emergency basis, like if there's too many players up at the HL level, then guys not playing, they want them to play more. Like I think Ole Eriksson got sent down there um, a couple yeah. times. Um, I think Gage Alexander also played down there. So again, it's like you want a guy, you have four goaltenders on the roster at the HL level. You want a guy to get some game time, then you send him down there. And, uh, either he becomes the starter or splits games down there. I think the same goes for forward depth and defense depth, and it, it rarely happens. You try and manage the roster ahead of the season, but guys end up coming up or making a team that you didn't expect, then a lot of times you get forced into that situation, but it doesn't happen often. Um, so, like we said, no Warren signed is, is ELC. What, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but I guess just like what is, I mean, his upside is I, I, Clayton Stoner, Brian Allen, yeah. that type of player, just a little bit more effective. Maybe like I mean, maybe it's it's like a guy we we just signed, a Radko Gudis type player. Now, I mean, obviously Warren is sure. significantly bigger than Radko Gudis. Yeah, um, but just a, probably a better way to look at yeah, it. Yeah, like a, a physical shutdown defenseman, but in like the modern sense, where he isn't a you know he's a good skater for his size. He has enough offensive instincts to make a good first pass. He's got a good shot. Um, the, you know he's never going to be 
more than a 20-point defenseman in a very good season, and that's not what you expect out of him. But he's got, like, at least average tools in, in different areas, and then he uses his size well and defensively. He's just really good. So I, I, I kind of see him in that sense. And, you know, you could – I'm trying – Eric Johnson with Colorado, right, like in that type of role – trying to think of other guys who who were in that role but just um, i mean i, I in, in 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 like the nth percentile outcome he's sheldon sore right yeah where it's just a big heavy shot and a mean defenseman yeah yeah and and and, and doesn't make a ton of mistakes like a, 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 he's not a detriment offensively out there he's just not going to do olin zellweger jamie drysdale you know cam fowler type things right so yeah, exactly. Did, did, so. Didn't want to make any comment about me throwing Cam Fowler in there. <laughs> no, Cam Fowler's a perfectly fine military <laughs> defenseman. I have. I yeah, I don't know, man. This is, I'm like imagine so some some in, people double taking at Cam Fowler getting. There Cam Fowler's yeah. a perfectly fine middle pair defenseman, and I'm very happy for him and his wonderful career that he's had. You know what? Actually, okay, so you, you baited me, and now I'm going to take it. I did think about it today because inside the rink tweeted out that the Ducks have three numbers retired and who's next. And obviously the next one's Getzloff. Yeah. And then you get into the question of, do they do anybody before Perry retires? Because then it's Perry. Yeah. And this is something we've done a podcast about, like, I think two summers ago or whatever. We talked about the Ring of Honor and how it would be very important for Anaheim, in my opinion, and, you know, we've talked about this, you, you kind of agree with me, is that putting a Ring of Honor in Anaheim, I think, could be really, really big. Because there's a lot of players who mean a lot to the franchise who simply don't reach yeah. the retire their jersey Chiguerre, level. Ruchin, right, Pronger. Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, I, I think Soleil goes in that group. Mm-hmm. Um, Kessler ultimately belongs in that group. Cogliano probably belongs in that group. Yeah. Just guys who are big parts of the team and, and, you know. But I was thinking about it and, like, do they retire number four? I think it depends. Because he's going to have every single defensive record by the time he's done, if he doesn't already. I think you have to. Um, The only thing that, like, that's different. Do you have to? Do you have to? Yeah, maybe not. I I just think, like, everything that he's, it doesn't have the same vibrato of, like, the guys who are already up there and the guys who will Mm -hmm. be up there. Like, Solani, Korea, Niedermeyer, Getzlaff, and Perry. Mm-hmm. Fowler, as great as he is, and as you know, he spends his entire career here, over a thousand games in Anaheim. He could lead the games played. He could be Getzlaff out for that. Right? Like it could be right. uh, all defensive totals. I think he's already the leader, or close to it, anyway. So, right. You know, statistically, yeah, but there's just there's not the same wow factor oomph behind his name and putting it in. Like, yeah, he's a rafters type player other than that he just spent his entire career here right because there's a lot of guys who do that he's a good player spends his Mm -hmm. they spend their entire career with a team so statistically they have the numbers to say they should you know they lead a lot of categories they're either you know number one or number two in a lot of those but is he rafters quality i think cam fowler you put a debate up there and it all depends on how you view um you know retiring numbers and what you classify needing to be done to get your name up in the rafters. And for me, I think he falls short of that, despite, you know, again, already leading and adding to those numbers by the end of his career, even if he stays his entire career in Anaheim. I just, I can't see it. If those are the five names that are up 
there and the only five names that are up there. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I, again, unless he becomes the next captain, the Ducks win a Stanley Cup and whatever, then like you add a little bit more to that resume before he retires, then maybe. <clears throat> but as things stand right now, I I find it a bit tough to include him in that same so category. He is fourth right now in games played at mm-hmm. 893, which is over 200 clear of fifth place, who is Silverberg. He doesn't make the top 10 in goals, but he is fifth in assists by almost 50 over Ruchin. He's sixth in points by about 80 points. And let's see, goals created, he's sixth, but that's not a real stat. Let's see where he's in plus minus. Doesn't show up in plus minus, doesn't show up in penalty minutes. Doesn't show up in power play, uh, in even strength goals. He's tied for seventh in power play goals with Bobby Ryan. Uh, and he's eighth in game winning goals. Um, you would assume it, in, in all the categories he's close. It's a legitimately interesting, yeah, he's right in the, I mean, He'll look, be top he five, is, in, in, if not already, in all of those by the end of his career if he stays even a couple more seasons in Anaheim, right? Right. So. He's at okay, so he's got ninety-one goals right now, mm-hmm. and Cogliano has a hundred and two for tenth. Which means by the end of the, assuming he plays out the rest of his contract at Anaheim, he will move into the top ten in goals. Uh, Adam Henrique is already ninth, which is not great. That's wild. Ricard Raquel is fifth in goals all-time for Anaheim. Jesus, yeah. Lord. It's something, again, I mean, the fact that Fowler is in the top ten as a defenseman, it shows the longevity he's had here. Yeah, it, it becomes, it, it, it's an argument right now. If if, if everything stays it's the same... It's an interesting conversation. And he, it's a very yeah. interesting conversation. I mean, because, again, like I don't, I don't think you can separate the fact that he played right out of the draft, right? He came in at 18 years old. He played right away. He's been an, a staple on the blue line for 13 years now. Like, there's, he is regardless of your feelings on retiring. He is a club legend, right? Like in some sense, right? Yeah. He is a very important part of this club's history and, and that kind of stuff. Um, I do think Eric Stevens made this point earlier and or during last season talking about cam and I, I think it's very fair which is that his career is overshadowed a little bit by some of the expectations that came with his draft yeah um and I, I think that's a perfectly fair way to frame it um you know it, it's just a really interesting conversation and and, and I think it, it's very hard for me to say his number should be retired, especially if Jaguars isn't. Um, See, like that's that's the, the thing too. Is like at the same time, it, what do you? Value? I don't know that I could throw as much of a bitch fit about it as I would maybe want to. If yeah, retired is for. I feel that's where we get in, in with a lot of these arguments of, of numbers that should be retired or whatever. Is Cam Fowler has one side of the thing where he's got all the statistics, longevity to back it up, right? Um, mm-hmm. He'll be top five in most of those categories by the time he mm-hmm. retires if he stays in Anaheim or at least just finishes out his contract in Anaheim. Then you have Jaguar, didn't spend as much time here, but the time he spent here were important years, and he did some amazing things in Anaheim specifically. So then you have that question where it's like, okay, does that warrant and does that merit you getting up there 
Um, and, and they're both lacking on either side of it, which is why there's an argument, right? The five guys who will go up there, and the three that are up there and the two that will go up there, there's no argument on either side, right? They have been important members for this team. They've done, you know, amazing things. They've helped grow the, the franchise, and they statistically are the best players in franchise history. There, there's no argument there for either of them. Of the five, maybe, again, the only one you are you could argue, argue is Scotty, but even then, that's a loose argument. Like, he deserves to be up there. So anybody else, Fowler at the moment, Jaguar, any of the other guys we've mentioned, they're so lacking. He's a big one for me personally. Yeah, they're just lacking. But on, he's on a ring of honor. Yeah. yeah. So then all those guys, again, make sense for a ring of honor. And I think right now um, you could say Jaguar and eventually Fowler are, are like in that fringe category, right? They're teetering on the edge of, of both. But for me, probably right. probably both land on a ring of honor type thing. And again, Fowler still has time left. So we all think it's going to be somebody else, a Terry or somebody like that, that becomes the next captain of this team. But if it happens to be Cam Fowler and the Ducks have success under his reign as a captain, that can change, right? Like, that that does weigh into it at the end of the day. We'll have to see. Um, there's plenty Derek of time Grant, left. Just for the record, Derek Grant has more goals than Dustin Penner as a Duck, which is very funny to me. Troy Terry is already 15th. Yeah, that will be... He's one goal behind Ryan Kessler. How many goals is he out of the top 10? Because he could be there by the end of the year or no? Uh, oh, yeah. 27. Yeah. Yeah, Cogliano is at 102. He's at 75. Yeah, so he'll be there. He'll be top 10 by the end of the year. So. McDonald is 92 and 11. 12 is Cam Fowler at 91. So is Cam the only active player between Terry and the top 10? Oh, yep. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, technically, yeah, yeah. Because Henrik is in the top 10 and Cogliano is in the top 10 as well. Yeah. Yep. Here's a fun one. Trevor Zegers has more than Dustin Penner. Max Comtois in the top 40 somehow. We haven't had a, a lot of Max, great goals. Max Comtois has more goals as a duck than Chris Pronger or Nick Benino. Jeez. That's wild to think. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. Wow. This is... Oof, I'm going to stop looking at this. This is sad. Yeah, it's, it's Josh Manson has the same number of goals. Okay, here's a fun list. Max Jones, Isaac Lunderstrom, Josh Manson... Pat Maroon and Ruslan Soleil all have the same number of goals as a duck. What is the number? They all have the same amount of goals? They all have the exact same amount of career goals as a duck. Jones, Lundestrom, Manson, Maroon, Soleil. Uh, 22? 26. Nice job. Oh, God, this is wild, Amazing stuff. This is Mason McTavish is at sixty-seven. What? Sam Carrick is at seventy-one. Points, right? Uh, 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 list of goals. Oh, okay. I was like, what are you? George Paros is in the top hundred. Good for him. Ooh, here we go. Wait, wait. We're gonna do this one more time. I'm gonna read you names, and you tell me. They all have the same number of goals. Brian Bellows, Emerson Edom. Patrick Kjellberg, George Peros, Carter Rowney, Warren Reichel, Anatoly Semenov, Mike Stillinger, Daniel Sprong, and Ryan Strom. Um, All of those players have the same Strom amount of goals as a duck. didn't hit 20 last 
monster, I don't think. So, 17? 15. Jeez. What a what what the man! This is wild. Brandon McNillan scored eleven goals as a duck. Good for him. I didn't realize he had that many. Good for him, man. Love to Do see you it. even remember him? Yeah, he was a yeah. first round pick. Yeah. Did not pan out though. Did, no, did not. Did not. We all, Anywho, we all remember anyway. Stanislav Chistov. Not many of us remember Brandon McMillan, unfortunately. Um. Okay. The big news. The big thing we have to discuss. Uh, Terry and Zegras still don't have contracts. And I know a lot of people are getting antsy about that. We we had a question I think at the beginning of July in our in our Discord. Uh, uh, one of our members and they were panicking about the fact that they're not signed <laughs> yet. And I was like, all right, it's a little bit too early. And I think that we got asked the question that day too. It was okay. When is it time to start stressing about it? I can't remember exactly what I said, but I think I said if I get to August, then I'll start paying it attention. But I'm not going to stress about it until we're, you know, heading out of August and um, getting into September and, you know, training camp preseason, everything's coming up and it's still not signed. So I think we're in that area now. I mean, for Terry, we have to pay attention because the arbitration date is set for Wednesday. So we're going to have some sort of sort of resolution on that next week, or at least some, some updates on that and how that's going. And hopefully it's a, avoiding arbitration and getting a contract signed that'd be best for all sides but we'll see how that one goes and obviously a lot more time with Zegras so I expect that one to come a little bit later down the pipeline um, with the focus I'm guessing solely on Troy Terry right now just with that arbitration date coming up yeah um, Eric Stevens just put out an article where he said he basically Pepper Beak's refusing to talk about any of it uh, but all accounts are right now that he there is not really any conversation with Zegers and they are focusing on Troy Terry, which makes sense because the arbitration date, I think you said this, is on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll be very curious because if it reaches arbitration, then we get to find out what everybody's yeah. numbers are and that'll be very interesting. And, and, you know, it's the thing about that is there's an amount of kind of working the ref that goes into asking for the arbitration numbers knowing it's going to be somewhere in the middle and then the ducks can pick if they want one year or two years um you know it's it's interesting by all accounts troy terry is a big part of this team's future moving forward um and so i don't know that there's any really thing I don't know that there's really anything to worry about. Um, the question is going to be in what the term Troy Terry is looking for. And with the cap jumping up or being expected to jump up next year, what? how does Pat Verbeek want to use the cap, the cap going up, right? Because he could, in theory give him a little bit higher than maybe he's comfortable with with the understanding that there's going to be money coming off the books and the cap is going to be going up mm-hmm. when there are more guys who need to be signed down the line. How many but more years of control do the Ducks have? I think one, maybe two. Yeah, so that I think that plays a part into it too is that you don't want to sign him to... Um, walk him to UFA. Yeah, to walk right? him to UFA uh, sooner rather than later. So... I'd be interested to see where, where both parties are at. Um, 
as much as I don't want it to go to arbitration, um, it would be interesting. I would to see, love to get the numbers. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where the player is at and what they and you know if if they're asking for more term or less term on the player side, or if the team wants more term or less term. Um, I've heard a lot of people suggest that you know his deal should be somewhat similar if it was a long term deal to Tage Thompson. I think that's fair. This uh, Tage Thompson signed yeah. a seven seven year forty nine million dollar deal. So what's that seven by seven? So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, to me, I think it's the Cam Fowler deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he has. And again, this isn't necessarily like. Uh, this is the part about like contracts that I hate is because it feels like you're knocking players and stuff, but it's part of the hard cap reality. Is yeah, I don't think Troy Terry has enough of a track record at this point to demand a seven million dollar contract, and I don't think because Buffalo gave Tage Thompson a seven million contract that they shouldn't have. Like they also gave Dylan Cousins a seven million dollar contract, and I don't think he should be a seven million dollar player, right? Like I don't think this is the same as Jack Hughes, where it's like they gave him $8 million and then he turned into one of the 10 best forwards in the league or whatever. Like, Jack Hughes is going to get heart votes for the next several years. I don't think Dylan Cousins is going to. Tage Thompson might. Um, but I don't... You know, it'll be interesting to see. But, like, to me, for Troy Terry, it's, like, six by six and a half. That's the deal that I think makes the most sense. It makes him a lot of money. Yeah. It gets him locked up through, what is he, 25 right now? So that takes him to his early 30s. He'll still be able to get another good contract. Um, And he's going to be making it, you know, again, he's going to be making good money. It's not going to prevent this team from being competitive down the line. And, you know... It gets you the opportunity to maybe try to get Zegras closer to seven ish. Yeah. And even then, it's hard to know if you want to do seven million dollars for Trevor Zegras on term. You know, I was thinking about it the other day, and Braden Point signed a bridge deal, and I don't want to ignore that because to me, that's closer to what makes sense. And I know there's a lot of talk right now about bridge deals are bad because you always end up overpaying on the next one, but it's kind of not like if you win with them on the bridge deal, the next contract pays for itself Yeah. in in revenue and all that kind of stuff. So like if they can sign him to like a four, like Trevor Zegers to like a four year, $5 million deal, five and a half, six million dollars, something like that. Like I don't think that's a bad, that's a bad one at all. You know, um, I don't know that he'll want to do that, but like it would still give him plenty of time to make a ton of money and get one last huge contract signed for, you know, eight years at age like 26 or whatever he'll be. Yeah. I'm sure if you're you know, a team, that's what you want. Um, and and yeah. less so on the player side is that you want four years at less. And then, listen, the worst case scenario is he plays out of his mind and earns a better contract, which means he played well. And you just have to account right. for that now, and and it's and it's, and it's three years of, of an extra two million over what you would have paid him in the longer term. So you can work with that in in a sense, right? If and it's right. if you win in those four years with him less and having a bit more cap flexibility is is the main thing. Um, I don't know if the Ducks are in the in the position to to do that or not. I think Zegers' sure. contract has a little bit more flexibility in that you could see something like that where Troy Terry. 
it, it does seem to be kind of set uh, in terms of at least the value, right? It's just, a, I think the term is the big thing. Uh, is it going to go to arbitration and the Ducks are going to be stuck into a one or a two-year deal? Or are they going to settle on something longer? I don't see Terry landing in like a three, four, five-year contract. I think it is like the six or seven or it's a one or a two-year deal. I just can't see it being sure. middle ground there. Um, like this, like you mentioned, like a six by six and a half or something like that, like that I can see. Um, three or three, four-year deals for him don't make sense because he's walking to UFA at that point. Right. So it, uh, it doesn't really help the Ducks that much and it really doesn't help the player as much either um, to walk into free agency uh, at that period of time. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I th- Obviously, we'll have news on the Terry one sooner rather than later. Um and, and like we've said a few times now, like, again, part of me doesn't want it to go to arbitration because I'd, I'd like it to get solved ahead of time and, and both parties, you know, come to a, a deal with each other and be happy with it. Uh, but I, I really, really selfishly want to see what each side is thinking uh, and, and what what type of deal that they want, what they think the player is worth. So I always love when those come out and you get you get a, I think, it was, what was the, one of the ones that came out recently? I can't remember. There's a huge gap. Is the player... Swayman? No. I think Swayman was asking for like four or five or something. I'm sure that, that I, I haven't seen that one. It, it might have been last year, but uh, the player wanted like six and a half, and the team was coming in at three or something like that. I can't remember exactly what uh, what one it was, but you see those every now and then. And I, I don't think we'll see it with this one, but uh, yeah, that that's the downside of that is you, you see like such a massive gap, and you know that uh, those conversations aren't going to be too fun for, for the player. You got to hear why yeah, the team justifies you are worth three million less than you think you're worth. Right, and that's you know that's why like you know uh, soon to no longer be an ESPN personality, Bomani Jones always says that's the reason you have an agent mm-hmm. is so you don't have to hear your employer bring up all the reasons you're not as good as you think you are. Yeah, because nobody wants to sit there for that because it is in their best interest to undersell you, no matter how good they think you are. Yep. Right, there are very few players in this league who are walk in, put a number on a piece of paper, and everyone goes yes. Those players just don't exist. You know what I mean? And Anaheim certainly doesn't have any of those players right now. Yeah. Um. You know, I would say maybe you're looking at Connor Bedard being the next one who you kind of realistically expect to just be able to go. I'm going to go from a three-year deal to an eight-year deal. Yeah. Uh, you know, straight into like a $10 million plus contract on an ELC after his ELC or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and those players just are very rare. Like, it's not fun to sit there and have them be like, yeah, but like, mm, you know, you don't really play defense. And like, you didn't really score as much as we thought. And like, we could have bought the guys on your line. And, they, and so like, nobody wants to hear that. That's not fun. Like, yeah. let your agent do the work. Try to understand, and I, it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but try to understand and remember that it's a business and they're trying to build a complete roster. And as much as you're going to be a huge part of that, they need to save dollars every little way that they can because it's a hard cap because the league is stupid. And, you know, I mean, I think if you're a player, you know, your most, the best leverage you have right now is the cap is going up. So you can afford to pay me a little extra right now while maybe we're still outside of our contending window before McTavish's next deal, before Minchikov and Zellweger get here, before Carlson gets here. Um, 
you know, that kind of stuff. So it, it's going to be interesting. I, I I expect it to be five or six years. I could see five because that gets into about 30. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I would, again, I would love to see him get a six by six and a half kind of deal. I think that would be perfect for everybody. I think that would adequately pay him for the production he's had and, and, and for the type of player that everyone seems to think he can be moving forward. So, yeah. Well, you know that that would be. I think that would be the best spot for everybody. I, I'm I'm fine with seven, um, seven years, but it depends on again at, at the money involved at that point. I I think his is a bit easier to project than the other the other two, and throwing Jamie Drysdale in there too, just because of the fact that he was injured all of last year, and like it's not like Jamie Drysdale is going to get big money. It's just, you know, what would you give Jamie Drysdale? I'm I'm thinking like a a two year bridge deal in a sense, like a you know a two two and a half maybe three on the high end uh for two years and then go from there um you just haven't had enough time to judge it to give him a longer term deal and i don't think it's fair to the player to be like we're going to sign you for five years at three million or three and a half million when we all know that he's likely going to be a better player than that down the road or at least projects to still be a better player than that so i can't see him signing anything longer than three i think Ultimately, it's a one- or a two-year deal. I think a two-year deal is probably better for the team. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I just imagine, like, I imagine like a two-by-two-and-a-half or two-by-three or something like that. Yeah, I think for me, you know, the one that I would always, I, I would lean towards is a three-by-three. Mm-hmm. Like, just give him three, three, three million, three years for three million, and just be like, you know, let's just give you basically another ELC's worth of time to get your feet back under you, get healthy, see what you can do, watch you develop, and see what he is. And, you know, I guess there's an interesting question, which is like, um, so Scott Wheeler just did his redraft for, what was that, 2020. Mm -hmm. And he had Jamie falling down to, I think, like 13 or 14. And... I guess the question that I have is based on kind of what he said and just with the reality of, you know, not everybody's going to be the guy that you hope they're going to be. If he's Matt Greslick, are you happy with that? Personally, no. And I th- listen, I understand why he falls in there. I think to, to say it's it's not falling because anything he's done personally it's or production-wise, right. like he missed an entire season. Um all things considered, and we talked about this after that rookie season, it was impressive, but it was overshadowed by Trevor Zegras and being in the Calder conversation. Right. Like, Jamie Drysdale's season was more than impressive on its own, but he wasn't the focal point that year. Um, there was a lot of opportunity for him to build on that and, and have a, a bit more of a solidified role this past season, but he didn't get a chance to do so. So, I, I you know, you, you, he falls in that list essentially because other players have been healthy and, and have, have progressed and are able to move in front of him there. But um, I, I still have hopes that he's more than a Matt Grizzlick. Like, listen, if he's Matt Grizzlick, that means he's an NHL player. He's a top four defenseman. Um, you know, he's still mm-hmm. a guy who can get 30, 40 points and is, is, isn't a detriment in his own end. That's great. Like, that's. Fun fact Matt Grizzlick has never had 30 points. Really? Never had 30 points. I, I honestly, God, I just assumed he had hit 35 a couple yeah. points. 26, 24, 20, 21, 18, 15. Yeah. Going backwards. Listen, it's never a bad thing if, if no matter where you draft a player, you get a guy who's a, a suitable 
NHL defenseman that you have no questions right. about, no concerns about. Like that, that's the ultimate floor I think you would hope for for Jamie Drysdale, is that he can just be that reliable top four defenseman that you can throw right. out there. Um, but because of where you draft him, and, and and again, you know the circumstances of him missing time at this point. Um, I think you still hope for a lot more. This season's huge, and you know, we said we we can say that about everybody. But again, for him missing an entire year, uh, a lot of um, young defensemen on the way. I think there's going to be that little bit of added pressure of some guys being a bit closer to taking your spot at this point. Uh, I think he's going to have a big year. Um, I, I think he's going to be eager to get back into the fold, and uh, I think we'll we'll quickly put the Matt Grizzlick stuff to bed. Hopefully, yeah. so. No, for sure. But yeah, I get I get where you're coming from. Like for sure, there, you have to start thinking of that as well. Um, you know, what what are you happy with if things don't pan out the way they do? Because we just talked about those Cam Fowler as well. Like the lofty expectations for Cam Fowler and what he would become. Everybody comparing him to Scotty, um, that hurts the view on him now because right. he's been 100% a top four NHL defenseman. Mm-hmm. throughout his entire career but he doesn't get viewed in it as much as like let's say if he was a fifth round pick we'd all be ecstatic with where he is right now but because of where right. he was drafted you know you always kind of hold those lost expectations in the back of your head when you're evaluating him and it's not as much as well wow look what he is it's well look what he is but we're thinking of what he could have been right so jamie yeah, jamie exactly. will always be subject to that unless he reaches that potential and it's the same for Nick Ritchie, and it's the same for all the other guys that either have or haven't hit their potential, right? Where Jones and Steele and Lundestrom and all of these guys, yeah, hundred percent right. Yeah, right. So uh, I mean, if Troy Terry was a top ten pick, are we as ecstatic about him being a sixty point player at this point? Or are we sitting here saying, well, he it's great, but we thought he was going to be more, right? Like that's right. that's that's the that's the dilemma with with where you get drafted again, like. There, there are absolutely no concerns with Troy Terry right now because he was a fifth-round pick and he's putting up 60 points and it doesn't happen almost ever. Uh, so you're ecstatic about it. But, you know, again, there's nothing wrong with Max Jones. There's really nothing wrong with Sam Steele either. But the fact that they were first-round picks... Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. But they, they, they can play in the NHL and they've, they've done well where, the, yes. where Sam no, Steele's done well where he's gone sure. to. So it, it's just if, if they were later-round picks, you're happy with what with where their progress is at and where they got to. Uh, but it's the fact that they're first round picks. The same for Isaac Lindstrom again. It's it's the same for every player. So, um, Jamie Drysdale has a, a big season in store uh, and one that's kind of, I guess, defined the look and the feel of him as a player because he missed that entire year. So it's yeah. it's it's a big one in that sense to really show everybody how much progress he's made and if he's at closer to being. You know that top two defenseman that some people think he can be, or is he mm-hmm. not quite there yet and, and uh, not at that level? Right, and I think uh, you know when you have players get injured when they're young, you can always kind of be like, well, they're still young, so it's not you know necessarily a huge thing. Obviously, like when you get hurt when you're young, it's not the same as getting hurt when you're older. Groundbreaking analysis for me. Um, but I think the thing to look at with him that's maybe the most encouraging in a sense is that it was his shoulder yeah and it wasn't you know his knee or his hip or anything like that that is going to affect what is you know his biggest asset which is his skating um you know because he's a smart player and he's an incredible skater and those are the two things that are going to allow him to be a difference maker um 
you know, and if he's able to rehab his shoulder and put on strength over this period of time when he would be looking to put it on anyways, you know, then that's great. And so that's the part of it, like you were saying, that's very encouraging and should lead to a lot of optimism for what he can do this year. Yeah. So, no. Uh, and there's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of guys right behind him that are going to be real close, that are going to be guys who are going to be expected to uh, put up offensive numbers and are going to be, you know, looking to push him, even if they don't necessarily play on the right-hand side like he does. Yeah. Zellweger and Michikov are coming, man. And and uh, those guys are coming. Two with... of them might be on the roster at the start of the year, right? So. Mm-hmm. But whatever you miss that full year of, of development, um, the, the guys behind you get a lot closer to taking your spot all of a sudden. So um, I think that'll be good for him. I think it'll be good for him to have a little bit of pressure there. Um, you know, yeah. Gudis is is you know, again not a similar player, but one that's going to be in the lineup, right? So now you've got more competition to keep your place, and if other players are playing well and you're not, then it's not a guarantee um that you're going to be you know either in the lineup or at least that high in the lineup especially when they're all you know all the young guys coming up are offensive defensemen so drysdale will start power play one you would imagine but if he doesn't play well there if he's not playing well at all zellweger is playing well there or in the ahl with minchikov how long of a leash do they give him before they give somebody else a chance so i i think it always helps to have some healthy competition there, and I think that's I think it's going to go do good for for not just Drysdale, but again the young kids that are going to be competing against him, right? Like they're going to be wanting to try and earn a spot themselves. So, um, and then yeah, Zegras again, the last one here. Um, we've talked about a, a few times how we'll see something similar to a lot of the players from draft class, the draft draft class, the Cole Caulfields, Jack Hughes, those types of contracts, the longer term ones, the seven, eight year deals for around seven and a half, eight million. Do you still think that's where he falls around? Yeah, I do. I think ultimately, but like, again, like I, I don't know what made me think of it. Oh, it was when I was doing the stupid roster exercise <laughs> and I was looking at Tampa Bay's, you know, cap and I was looking at Braden Point making nine and a half and he made 5.9 for like three years and like, I really, really wonder, and, you know, I just, I really wonder if that's not something to think about, you know, because that was very much a decision that was made, I believe, with him still there. Um, You know, that extension he signed when Verbeek and Iserman were still in Tampa Bay. Um and so it's just something I'm really curious about. You know, I could see if, you know, like if you told me him and Troy Terry signed matching cap hits but different lengths, yep. that wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Um, you know, like if he signed a three by six and a half and Terry signed a six by six and a half, like I wouldn't have an issue with that. You know what I mean? I think you can make a very strong argument um, for both of them kind of having that kind of dual cap hit match the fact that they've been the big play drivers for this team and, and what they've meant to this team and what they're they're being going to be asked to do for this team. Um but, you know, I don't I just I just I wonder like we've said it before and I and I'm fine with it again. Like I would sign him to an 8 by 8 million. I still think he's absolutely a player who's going to be worth that in the long run. I think the creativity and the passion and the offensive upside is 
is is just so significant. I really do think he's going to be a 70-plus point player in this league for a long time. Yeah. Um, so I would not mind signing him to a long-term deal like that, especially, you know, just because if things get weird over the next couple of years, it's always nice to be able to have him and just be like, no, you're here, man. Yeah. Um. But, you know, I wonder about him and what he's looking for and if he wouldn't maybe want to sign her a two- or a three-year deal and, and try to maximize on the cap going up in a couple of years and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the question there is, how does that work with McTavish? How does that work with Carlson? Like, how does he see himself fitting in, like, you know, with this expectation that Leo Carlson is going to be a number one center that can play both ways, like, does he still want to be like, what is more important to him being a number one center or being the best offensive player on his team? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know how to answer that for him, obviously, but like, I really wouldn't have a problem with him being an $8 million first line left wing. Like, I just no. think he's worth it. I think he's such a phenomenal player and and his ability to affect the game in the offensive end is is just so special. Like, you know, but I don't know if he wants that, right? Maybe he does want to stay down the center and he does think that's what's best for him. And, like, obviously that's where the coach and the GM got to talk to him and that kind of stuff. Um, but, like, you know, he doesn't strike me as selfish. He doesn't strike me as, like, particularly egotistical in a negative way or anything like that right he seems all things considered pretty level-headed pretty well adjusted and like he just wants to do crazy shit and play hockey and win hockey games yeah um you know so again like i would sign him to an eight by eight i think if i could i would drop that somewhere into the sevens uh but you know, again, I I wouldn't necessarily scoff at them signing him to eight by eight. I under I would certainly be fine and understand what the rationale behind that deal was. Yeah, um, I think one of the issues um, with a lot of these younger players signing their first contracts now is we're in this era of almost paying guys for potential now. Um, listen, which is good. It, it it is, but we don't know the outcome of that yet, right? There's only so many right. guys that hit their potential, so. They look like they're going to be worth it. Well, the one for me that that always sticks out is like, listen, I think Cole Caulfield's a great player, but the numbers don't back up giving him right now seven by seven point eight five is what he ended up getting. Mm-hmm. Right, he had a twenty three goal, forty three point season in sixty seven games in his rookie season. That's really good, not bad at all. Then last year in forty six games, he had twenty six goals, which is amazing, and thirty six points. It's not bad at all, but he's played one hundred twenty three games. And he's got 53 goals and 84 points. And you've given him seven years at $7.85 million. Like that's, we're just in the era of paying guys on potential, right? So we'll know in four or five years if that's a little bit too much or if that's a bargain mm-hmm. or if that's just about right. You've got Jack Hughes, on the other hand, who paid for potential but also produced at that level and probably above the level he's getting paid for, right? But then they all use each other as comparables. You mentioned Dylan Cousins, and and those are then because of where they're drafted and how the age and their production and the whatever, they just get kind of compared across the same line, uh, and they end up getting those same deals. For, for Zegris, and more so than, than Caulfield, I, I do think even right now, and then you add the potential into the mix, I do think he's worth seven, seven and a half, up to $8 million. 
if he even if he continues to produce at the same level he is now if he becomes a 60 if he stays a 60 to 70 point player and does everything that he does now i think he's worth the money with the potential that he becomes a 80 to 90 point player um and then you know he's you've got value for money there essentially is that you're Mm -hmm. only paying him seven or eight million dollars but he's worth when the cap goes up a nine to ten eleven million dollar player right so there's a risk inherently with all of that. We're just in the era of, listen, every time these guys get out of their ELC now, if they're a top prospect, we're locking them down for seven or eight years, and that's it. So I don't see it being anything less. I can't imagine he signs something like a, a two- or three- or four-year deal. I, I do think it, it eventually becomes the same thing as what we've seen a lot of the young players sign lately, which is a... Uh, a seven or eight year deal i think it just comes down to term and i think that's the if you want to call it a sticking point uh, at this point that's the maybe the area where there's more of a gap is right is maybe the team's trying to get him closer to seven and he's trying to get closer to eight and it's just finding a number i think that's inevitably going to fall somewhere in between that the cap it yeah yeah how do you feel about the matt boldy contract the seven by seven he signed are you more confident in his seven by seven than you are in seven by almost eight that Caulfield signed? Yeah, I mean, he, he's fairly similar as well to um, to Caulfield in that sense. I'm a bit more confident in his projection as a player in his game than I am Cole Caulfield. Um, and, you know, a little bit more. He's a little bit yeah. bigger. He's a stronger two-way player, for sure. I don't, yeah, he's yeah, played, he's played so further down in the lineup at times, too. He, he you know He's still a guy who wasn't even given a lot of power play time in Minnesota, power one time, um, was playing third line at times. Didn't play with the top line like you know Kaprizov only a few times. Last year, 30 goals, 63 points. The season before that, 15 goals, 39 points in 47 games. Just a, a little bit more production and and then consistency based on where he's put in the lineup. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it, it's apples and oranges. You could like Cole, Cole Caulfield as a player better. I just think projection-wise, potential-wise, I'm a bit more comfortable with the Matt Boldy deal. But again, he definitely also got paid based off potential too because you're not normally giving a player who's had one 60-point season a longer-term contract like that unless you th- you're banking on that they can continue to do this year after year after year, and then that's going to be a, valuable, you know, a, a lot better contract for you as the cap goes up. So as it is with any deal for these young players, it's gambling in a sense that mm-hmm. they're going to either continue to produce or at the very least stay at the same level that they're at now. Um, but I, I just, I don't know, maybe, maybe, this, maybe I'm wrong with my, my you know, observation of this. It just feels like it, it's more often now that you're getting these, these guys signed after, you know, one and a half seasons, you know, 100, 120 games, these younger players at, at the outset of their ELC and getting paid for the potential of what they could be based on not so much on what they've already produced. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great, 
talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to me. Like, I think we've talked about this. And, like, this is something I've been thinking about for a long time because the way that you see contracts work in other sports and the way that, you know, the NHL views your prime and stuff like that and, like, when your actual, like, production prime is and, like, again, like, there's a really interesting conversation, I think, to be had about is your prime defined by your production or is your prime defined by your play and that kind of stuff. I still think, and this might not be fair, and I don't know if people agree with this or not, but, like, I think I would still rather gamble on the Cole Caulfield deal than signing the John Tavares deal in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because I just, I don't like paying a guy for what he, paying a guy a lot of money for what he did. I'd rather risk paying a guy a lot of money for what I think he can do. And, 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 and that's a definitive gamble. But I think the upside is higher. I think when you sign a John Tavares-like deal, you are hoping he's worth it. Yep. When you sign Tage Thompson, even Dylan Cousins, Cole Caulfield, right, you're hoping this guy's going to be worth more than this. Yeah. Right? Because, again, there is a very real possibility that Cole Caulfield is – Alex Debrinkit level elite goal scoring player in the rocket race every year, right? Top 10 in like they ex- are expecting Cole Caulfield to be in the top 10 in goals every year. That's why they gave him that contract. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a very good gamble. You know, like you said, he put up, what was it? Like 36 goals in like 50 games or something like that last year, something ridiculous. Like, He's got all the talent in the world. The question is going to be about is he able to stay healthy and stuff like that, which is, again, why the concerns with his size were there when he was drafted. And it's going to be very interesting to see. But I think, you know, how many years has John Tavares actually been worth his $11 million of that deal? Two? Maybe, yeah. You know what I mean? And he hasn't been bad. I don't want to say that he's been bad, but, like, I don't think he's been an eleven million dollar player. I think he's been an eight and a half, nine million dollar player. Yeah, and how much? How and much like, could the Leafs use that extra two and a half, three million dollars in cap space, right? Right. Yeah, especially over you know Nylander's coming, uh, Nylander's coming up, and and uh, Matthews is coming up, like you know, and then you've got the Morgan Riley deal that they signed, and all this other stuff, and now there's like the Matt Murray stuff, and then they might have to buy out DJ Brody and like all this other shit, like. Two and a half million dollars, like, that's the difference. Like, maybe that allows them to keep Rasmus Sandim, and maybe they're not looking for, you know, a depth defenseman like that or something like that, right? Like, you know, that's why you're having to go out and sign March Giordano to, 
a sub million dollar contract is because you're just like we need somebody who we can trust to play and whatever but like i just i just think it 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 removes more options than it opens up by and it and it creates more questions than it answers by giving these guys that kind of money and i don't you know i there just there has to be a world where he makes again like if he makes 9 million dollars it's a completely different situation for them yeah so I, it's just it's a very weird and interesting thing and, and again I will say it for forever it comes back to the hard cap and I am never going to begrudge a player taking these teams for all the money that they can sign the biggest contracts you can get as much guaranteed money as you can like a hundred percent and you know, go for it. Like, I, I'm not mad at the players for signing these deals. I just think the problem is is it really hurts guys farther down the lineup, and it hurts these teams' ability to remain competitive over an extended period of time when they have to start moving guys out because they can't afford to keep everybody. So, you know, I, I just think, you know, again... I guess my point here is just kind of like you're right that we are seeing teams pay more for potential and take that gamble, but I also think that's the right way to approach it. Yeah, no, that's fair. I I can see that. Like again, um, the only other option you have is signing them to a bridge deal, someone sim- something similar to to Braden Point. But again, if you're a team, you fall in the trap of well, if they end up being worth more, you end up paying them that difference. You save you save right. at a different time. You save right in, in, in the short run rather than uh, in the long run. So Right, and the reason, the other thing to say, and I'm sure people have been yelling at me about this like while they're listening, but like the other thing to say is the reason you can sign Braden Point to the bridge deal and know you can do it on the other end is because you have guys ahead of him in the lineup already. You have Kucherov, yeah. you have Hedman, you have Vasilevsky, you have Stamkos. Like you've got guys in the lineup already filling out those top positions on those big contracts that are making money. Yeah. Um, you know, most of these teams so, that we've talked about don't. So, Buffalo, right. Anaheim, Anaheim, definitively, Montreal, right, New Jersey. They they didn't really have anybody making or a lot of people making significant money in front of them that were better than them. Like you look at Jack Hughes; he was the best player offensively on that team last year. He's going to get paid. Even even so, New Jersey still got a pretty good deal on what they eventually signed him for. The same Caulfield again. Nobody really above him getting paid. Nobody really above Cousins getting paid or Tage Thompson getting paid, right? So it's um, different scenarios then, for sure. Right. So yeah, for sure. All right. Well, before we um, uh, before we wrap, what do you what are your predictions? On what do you think these three guys sign at? What are your? We'll go back and we'll we'll touch base on them after after they sign. But what do you think Terry mm, signs for? What do you think Zegra signs for? And what do you think Drysdale signs for? I will for? stick with six by six and a half for Troy Terry. Okay. I like that contract. I think that works. And if they sign that, I would be a very happy boy. Mm-hmm. Because I think, I guess for me, if if you're you're Pat Verbeek, I think you can make a legitimate offer that he should make about six million dollars. And if you're Troy Terry, you're saying I think I'm about an eight million dollar player. Right. And so I I think six by six and a half makes a lot of sense. Um. For. Zegris, I will say 
five by seven. Okay. And for Drysdale, I will say two by two. I think those are my predictions. All right. I think um, for Terry, I'm, I'm going both both seven seven year deals for Terry and Zegers. Uh, actually, I'll go. They'll, they'll do the eight for for Zegers. I think Zegers gets an eight by eight. I think that's what eight by eight for Zegers. That's what you're right. eventually eight by eight. TZ. Uh, Terry, I'm going six point seven five by seven. And Drysdale, I'm gonna go uh, two point seven five by two. Two point seven five by two. And, okay. we'll... and then I said five by seven yep. for Zagre, six by six, six by six and a half. I just want to write these yeah. down so we have them, so that when we're both wrong, we know exactly. How to I was gonna say, who we... and then two by two. Okay. All right, man. Well, this is a reasonably short episode, all things considered. Yeah, we we didn't keep you guys for for that long. We just wanted to get back on more so for us personally to to jump back on and talk hockey again. Um, don't want to keep you guys waiting too long. Uh, and hopefully um, we'll be back again sooner rather than later because we're going to have more news uh, about Troy Terry coming out this week. Um, inevitably, again, Zegris and Drysdale will be signed hopefully by the end of August. So we're going to have um, that stuff to cover and then... Uh, season prediction the, or season preview stuff. Season preview. There could still be a few more signings. There's still some guys. My boy Tatar is still out there, still unsigned. He is. He is still out there. So, uh, I mean, there, there could uh, be... Do you think thing. he signs... A Tarasenko type deal, or do you think he's going to end up closer to around four million bucks? I I don't think he signs the five, but I think he is somewhere between four and five. I, I just don't know if he's if he's. I doubt he gets term at this point. I think. It's, oh yeah, it's, no, he's probably a guy who's going to sign one and two year deals yeah, for a while. Yeah, um, he would be a good one for uh, Chicago. There's a well. lot of teams that he'd be a a very good fit for right now, and I think um, he's. I've, my friend, he's got a lot of different options on the table, uh, and from what I've, I've seen uh, on his Instagram, it must be his uh, agent handling most of it because he's enjoying his summer to the fullest. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. I, I still hope he's in Anaheim by the end of the year, but um, regardless, we'll have uh, a lot more stuff to cover on the next show, and we do still have um, some fun episodes planned throughout the summer. We've, we've both been a little busy throughout the month of, of July, so hopefully we can get a, a few more out in, in August here and, and get ramped up for uh, the start of the season absolutely alrighty any any parting words um yeah don't get heat stroke heat stroke is bad don't do that uh Eddie I don't know you don't know what that is but like when the sometimes it gets really hot in other places and so like in the middle of July the idea that you're wearing uh, a crew neck and a beanie like is like killing me because like I'm very jealous of that fact but I will be in a shorts when you're in seven layers of clothing, so I'll deal with it. Yeah, it's, it's uh, not quite yeah. as hot here. We're, uh, I don't know what the, the conversion is, but it's not. What is it, like seven degrees or whatever this Just is? 23. It's been 28 Celsius, so I don't know what that is. I think it's I like 80s either. or 90s, I think. so. Probably, yeah. So it's warmish, but not uh, not super hot. Just humid, which is gross. So no. I've been sitting in the yeah. AC, which is why I have a crew neck on. So. Ooh, there we go. Yeah. Love that. So, all right, everybody, enjoy the rest of your summer, and hopefully we'll have uh, we'll have more stuff soon, guys. See you guys. Bye.
For years, Minky Couture has been donating blankets to NICUs across the country. Owner Sandy Henry's grandson was born at 30 weeks, and she placed a mini blanket in her grandson's incubator. We want to help other NICU families with the Heart of Minky program. For every adult-sized blanket purchased, Minky Couture will donate a mini-sized blanket to NICUs across the nation. Thanks to you, we can fulfill our dream to blanket the world.